morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. It's a beautiful morning. What a wonderful day. Uh, my name is Kay. For those who don't know me, um, I'm part of the leadership team here at CBC. Absolute privilege on Easter Sunday morning to bring God's word to us. I invite you to, um, to turn to Luke chapter 24. We've made our way through Luke, as uh, Chris mentioned earlier in the service, uh, through our Lent series. It's been an amazing series through Luke. And we're, of course, at the last chapter of Luke this morning. Uh, and I'd like to begin by reading the first few verses of Luke now, if that's okay. So Luke chapter 24. We've listened to John's account of uh, the, the first day, um, the Resurrection Sunday, and now we're going to listen to uh, Luke's account. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they, were th while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. It's all right if I move this for a minute. <laughs> I'm only little, and I can't see over there. <laughs> Sorry, Ron. <clears throat> Your best friend has been murdered, brutally killed, cruelly their life has been cut short. You're consumed by grief, overwhelmed with sorrow and desperation. As many grieving families and friends do, you go to visit the grave soon after their death. It's an opportunity to express your sorrow, to feel closer to the one that you've lost. And as you arrive, you walk through and come to the grave, something's amiss, something's not right. The soil's disturbed, it's all over the place. The grave is empty and the body is gone. An empty tomb, an empty grave is the last thing you were expecting to find. Jesus' friends, some of the women who'd followed him to the cross, still consumed with grief, go to visit his tomb. They go to express their sorrow, to anoint his body with spices. And they discover that his body is not there. Can you imagine the shock, the disbelief, the overwhelming sense of loss? Far from excited, far from full of joy that first Easter morning as we've been today, 
They were completely confused, perplexed, puzzled, I imagine feeling quite despairing that early morning. They had no idea at that point why Jesus' body wasn't there. Well, Luke, as we've discovered, haven't we, as we've gone through the gospel, is taking us on a journey. That journey towards Jerusalem has often been coloured, hasn't it, by the unexpected. We've discovered that over and over, as well as all sorts of misunderstandings and disappointments. And here, this journey is taking another unexpected turn, this time through grief and sorrow to an empty tomb. And I think it's important this morning that we stand with those disciples at the, empty tomb, at the empty tomb. We're at the point where this journey is reaching its climax. And I want us with the women to stand there and take note that the stone has been rolled away. To stand there with Peter and see the grave clothes lying on the floor. I think it's important that we stand and we question Where's the body gone? We stand there and we wonder what's happened. Because I think life is often spent in that place, isn't it? That place of confusion, things not being as we'd hoped they'd been, God seeming silent, seeming distant when we're hurting. Perhaps that's you today amidst all the joy. Perhaps you're searching for meaning in life right now. And as you sit here, looking into the empty tomb, you're confused and you're questioning. You're wondering, is Jesus more than a historical figure? Was he more than just a great teacher? Or in your searching to know if Jesus is real, you'd just like him to show up, (laughs) show himself to you, not just an empty tomb, make himself known. Or maybe you're a believer this morning, but there are times when you, like me, have doubts struggles, questions, and you'd just like Jesus to turn up in person and be there with you, but he doesn't. He doesn't seem to. And here, as we stand and look into this empty tomb, that is all we see. That's all the evidence we have this morning. We're not invited by Luke immediately to meet the risen Jesus, are we? We're invited to look into an empty tomb. Well, there have been many different attempts to explain the empty tomb. But as I've read around, I've discovered that the death of Jesus and the empty tomb are both recognized by historians to be a historical fact. It's a historical fact that the tomb was empty. Most recent recent scholars particularly would never deny that. If you think about the Bible accounts, the guards want to blame it on the disciples, don't they? They want to say that the disciples stole the body but a body has never been discovered. The women themselves and the other eyewitnesses who do see the empty tomb, well, they risk, don't they, having that story refuted at any time by the discovery of a body. Yet they were willing to die, and many of them did, for this empty tomb. Well, there are some great books um, that you can read, including the Bible, (laughs) that will explain um, more about the empty tomb. I 
I commend you. I'm not a historian, so I'm not going to sit here, stand here and try and explain the empty tomb to you. Um, there's lots for you to read out there. I commend it to you. But for us here today, right now, as we stand at the empty tomb, we get the same question that the women were given. Did you notice the question that was posed by the angels? Why are you looking here for Jesus? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Because he's not here. <laughs> he's risen. Tombs, graves, crematoriums, cemeteries, they're for the dead. <laughs> Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. That's what we've been celebrating. We have three different responses that come to this incredible, but for them, really shocking news. They weren't expecting this. We have the response of the women, we have the response of the disciples, and we have the response of Peter. Well, the women, they believed what the angel had told them because they remembered what Jesus had taught them when he was alive. Suddenly, all those words that Jesus had said to them about suffering and dying, about rising again on the third day, for the, for the women, it just all fell into place. They hadn't seen Jesus at this moment, but they believed because of the words that they'd heard. The disciples, however, we're told at this point, really struggle with this news. They can't make any sense of what these women are saying. Empty tombs, angels remembering, they don't re they, it didn't make any sense to them. They thought it was all nonsense, the Bible tells us. But Peter, on the other hand, good old Peter, he wanted more evidence, didn't he? He heard what they'd said, but he wanted to know more. So he runs to the tomb, wants to see for himself that it's empty. And we're told that he sees the grave clothes lying there in the tomb. And he goes away wondering. You see, the resurrection demands a response. We have to respond in some way to the truth of the resurrection. And I wonder this morning, do you see yourself in the women? Have you heard of the empty turn? Have you heard that Jesus is alive and you've believed? You trust that news? Or are you in the place of the disciples? You've heard it, but so far you've yet to be convinced by what you've heard. Just doesn't make sense to you at the moment. And you need to search further. Or I wonder if you're like Peter at this moment and you're still searching. As we heard earlier from Chris, Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends, wasn't he? He bottled it, as we heard at the last hour, when the going just got too much for him. He broke, didn't he, under the pressure. He lied to that girl in the court, denied that he knew Jesus. And here he is, running to the empty tomb, breakneck speed, can't wait to get there. Peter, searching that there'll be a glimmer of hope for him. Something to mend his broken heart. An opportunity to deal with that guilt that's just bubbling up inside of him because of what happened before his friend died. Peter's thinking, could this possibly be true? Could it possibly be true that Jesus is alive? Not here in the graveyard, trapped in death, but alive? That Jesus was actually stronger than death? That he really is the Messiah, God's chosen one? Was there really the possibility of reconciliation for Peter with his friend? The possibility that guilt has been dealt with? The possibility that death is not the end? You know, I wonder, is there a Peter 
in all of us? Is there a bit in all of us that is lost and hopeless? Is there a bit of us like Peter that has that sense of failure, that we're never good enough, never able to live up to our own standards, let alone God's, that we feel broken, that we feel wracked with guilt, trapped, unable to find any meaning in life? The good news, as Peter discovered, is that the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. He's the hope that Peter was looking for. He's the hope that we are looking for. Jesus has taken our guilt, our failure, our brokenness, our sin, all those things that separate us from God, nailed them to the cross, died the death that we deserved. But it didn't end there, did it? Because in rising from the dead, Jesus has secured our salvation. He's paid the price once for all so that we can have freedom from sin. That we, like Peter, can have freedom from guilt and shame once for all. Not by working hard to improve, not by working hard to impress God, but because we can accept that free gift that Jesus has given to us, that Jesus has secured through his death and his resurrection. So I wonder this morning, what's your response to the resurrection? I wonder this morning, have you wrestled with that empty tomb? Have you discovered, like Peter did, that Jesus is alive, that he is risen from the dead, that he does offer us a new start, a new life, a whole, a free, and a full, and a forever life? I think Luke helps us today. I think he starts off here. It helps us today because we can't physically see Jesus, can we? We can't physically see him today. But he helps us to understand that there is evidence in the empty tomb. Resurrection is the only plausible answer to the empty tomb. Nothing better, I don't think, has been offered in 2,000 plus years as an answer, has it? Faith calls us to believe as it called those first disciples to believe when they came to the empty tomb, that Jesus had defeated death and that he'd left the grave behind. Luke wants his, uh, his readers to understand that it's in remembering that that confusion that the disciples experience is dispelled. He continues that theme of um, challenging his readers to recall what Jesus has said to his disciples. We've, we've come across this over and over in our series, haven't we? Because you see, the shocking news that Jesus is risen is not such a shock as it first may appear in the story. There's a call here to the disciples to see that the empty tomb is actually the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle. It's that missing, missing link in the chain, if you like. It's the destination to the whole journey has been heading problem is they didn't understand and they hadn't remembered. Did you notice that phrase, remember how he told you while he was still with you, the angel said, remember. Jesus time and again, as we've discovered through the whole series, spoke of what was going to happen to him, didn't he? Time and again, he told his disciples what was going to happen, but they didn't understand. But of course, here we have the benefit of hindsight, which we were talking about last week. Now they remembered, as they looked back, all that Jesus had said to them. Jesus pointed back to scripture, to the prophecies 
where the Messiah was spoken about, prophecies that spoke of a Messiah to come. And these prophecies were hundreds, maybe thousands of years before Christ was born. Prophecies that talked about his birth, talked about his lineage, talked about his sinless life, talked about his atoning work, talked about his resurrection. In fact, if you read the the Bible, the whole length, breadth, depth, height of of the Old Testament, the whole story points towards Jesus. Remember, the angel said to them, look back and see how God in his sovereignty has been working out our salvation through the life and the death and the resurrection of his one and only son. The women remembered, didn't they? They remembered, and that jigsaw just fitted fitted perfectly into a place for them. And I think Jesus would invite us this morning, if we're struggling, um, if we don't understand, to read and to wrestle with all that's written about Jesus, to think deeply about the truth that we find in the Bible, to see that there's a much bigger picture than just this part of the story, and to trust that thread of grace that runs through it all, that joins the whole story of our salvation, and to remember that God has therefore enabled us to know his love because of that journey. So we've looked at the resurrection through the empty tomb, and we've looked at the word remembering, which I added in to um, resurrection and recognition for today. I want to read on in the story. You'll know this story. It's a beautiful story of um, two disciples who encounter the risen Jesus. So we're going to move from the empty, empty tomb to having a look at the risen Jesus and meeting him on the road to Emmaus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as they'd said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. 
They asked each other, were our, not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Luke presents us with the empty tomb and a supernatural encounter with angels proclaiming that Jesus is alive. He calls us to remember Jesus' words that have, that have spoken um, of this amazing reality so that we can see God's plan for our salvation. But then he takes us further on this journey. With the two disciples here who are trying to make sense of everything that had happened, the empty tomb and the angels, and within this conversation, he brings us face to face with the risen Lord Jesus. Perhaps one of the disciples isn't named in this story so that we can put ourselves into this story. We can think about ourselves as one of those disciples. Throughout Luke's gospel, the disciples have been confused. They don't understand Jesus' teachings. And we come across um, another phrase of Luke's here. They were kept from recognizing him. Perhaps it was their lack of, perhaps it was their grief, sorry, or their lack of expectation, which um, were now, was now dashed, weren't they? Those, that lack of expectation that Jesus um, was going to come back to life. But I, I think as well here, we need to hold on to the sovereignty of God within this, don't we? Because it's God who opens our eyes to the un understand the truth of who he is. It's God who draws us to himself. It's only God, it's only as God speaks that we make sense of scripture. And if we're a Christian here today, how long, how we long to um, open the eyes of our friends and family, don't we, who don't yet see that Jesus is alive, how, how we long to be able to do that for them. But we get driven, don't we, to call on God's grace and his mercy to reveal himself as he does to the disciples here. Evidently, everyone was talking about what had taken place during the Passover, or at least uh, for these two, that was all that dominated their thinking. They couldn't believe that someone could be unaware of what had happened to Jesus. In their description of how they understand the events, we feel their shattered dreams, don't we? We feel their disappointment, we feel their confusion in that moment. We feel their bewilderment too, that some of the friends are talking that Jesus is now alive. So Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in and begins to link together the stories of scripture, all that has been prophesied with what's just happened for them. But this alone didn't open their eyes. You know, head knowledge is not enough for us. We can know all about God. We can know all about the Christian faith. We can read our way through the scriptures, through the gospels. We can come to church every Sunday. We can even believe that the tomb was empty, but we can never have met the risen Jesus. Because the risen Jesus waits to be invited. The risen Jesus waits to be invited into our lives. These two disciples implore Jesus to come and eat with them. They didn't want the time that they had with him to end. But Luke makes it clear, I think, in his story here, that without the invitation from the disciples for Jesus to stay, he would have continued on his journey. 
And just like he meets those uh, first disciples, he longs to meet with us as well this morning. He longs for us to invite him into our lives, to reach out in faith that he is alive and that he will come if we invite him. We're not told what it was when Jesus broke the bread that caused their eyes to be opened. We're not told. I wonder, was it the nail-scarred hands that they saw as he broke the bread? Or was it the way that he broke it and gave thanks to the Father? They'd seen him do that so many times when he, before he died, hadn't they? We're not told, are we? But we're told in that moment their eyes were opened and they recognized the living Jesus. There he was, their friend, right in front of them. One who died, the one who'd been crucified, the one who'd been buried. There he was, alive, in front of them, meeting with them, present in their company. So just as we started this morning by stopping outside the empty tomb, I want to finish this morning by stopping again. Stopping again now. And thinking about the fact that Jesus is standing there, alive. Jesus is alive. Just as alive as he was then for those first disciples. Fully alive, completely alive. Standing here with us this morning. Defeated death. He's alive this morning. He can't die again can't die again. Defeated death. Death has no hold on him. It's life-changing. Beyond our imagining, isn't it? Everything has changed. Death is no longer the greatest enemy. Pain and suffering are no longer the thing to be feared. Shame and guilt no longer win. Pause. Pause here in front of Jesus. What weighs you down this morning? What's the fear? What's that secret sin? What shame? What guilt? What health issue? What relationship struggle? A war in Ukraine? The injustice? The pain? His body on the cross? His blood poured out for us, the weight of every curse upon him. A battle in the grave, the war on death is waged, the power of hell forever broken. The ground began to shake, the stone was rolled away, his perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. Pause here. Jesus, risen Jesus, in his presence. Jesus says to you this morning, invite me in. The risen saviour, the risen son of God, invite me in. Invite me to stay. Invite me to be part of your life. Invite me to be Lord of your life. These things that you carry, these things that feel too heavy to bear, they don't have the final word. 
Jesus says, in me there is life. In me there is hope. I'm alive. Standing here in front of you this morning. You know, all that Jesus said about himself in his life was validated in his death and in his resurrection. And that means that all he said about his father is absolutely true. And Jesus taught about his father's love, didn't he? Jesus told us that he went to the cross because of how much his father loves us. God has shown how much he loves us by allowing his son to die for us. Death defeated, Jesus alive. Jesus offers us a new way of living now. These disciples are about to start on a new journey, aren't they? This is just the beginning, not the end, just the beginning. And we're invited to that journey too with Jesus. You know, I love the way Luke ends this little cameo, this beautiful cameo, so familiar to us. But those disciples, suddenly they're not tired anymore after their seven-mile journey. No, they rush back to Jerusalem as fast as they possibly can, as they possibly can. Instead of being exhausted and sad, disheartened, they're full of excitement and energy. They don't even rest. They're back again to tell their friends, we've seen Jesus. He's alive, only to find that Jesus has met with Peter too. I wonder, do you know Jesus this morning? Do you know the risen Jesus this morning? Have you invited him into your life? What's your response today? Let's be still for a moment, please. Let's respond to that question. just going to pause in front of Jesus. What's your response this morning? He's alive. There's a response to make. What do you need to remember? Is it something that the Lord has said to you in the past that you need to to memory today, but maybe it's something that you need to hear afresh, that you're loved, that you're accepted, forgiven, he's alive. Or maybe you need to recognize him afresh today, that he waits to be invited. So just use this space now to invite him to be your Lord, your Savior, your friend. Jesus, we wait for you. Come meet your people.
bless you, Jesus.